Hello and welcome to Move Line presented by WinBets. I am Ryan Noonan. Joining me for the week one edition of our betting preview show, as always, Connor Allen, stuck in some random hotel room in Las Vegas, sleeping in my bed where I will be tomorrow night. Connor, what's going <laughs> on, buddy? Uh, not much. I'm, I'm actually in the Betsperts house right now. It's with uh, Reed and uh, Andy uh, Molitor is actually doing another show in the other room here. So uh, should should be great. It's going to be a great weekend. I'm excited to see you tomorrow in Vegas, man. Cannot wait. And I am excited as well to see our other buddy there, our friend, the man from NBC Sports Edge, my golfing buddy on Friday morning, uh, annual week one guest on Move the Line and none other than John Daigle. What's going on, brother? We have no choice but to do it moving forward, right? This is two years in a row. I guess uh, next year, let's do it again. Let's keep the train rolling. Absolutely have to do it. So um, off the top, I'm going to let you know, if you haven't already gone over to the App Store and downloaded the BetSports app, do that. Take advantage of that. Great place to track your bets, um, tail other people. You know, we'll have some bets over there as well. You can find us and lots of other great 444 content. Also, don't forget to head over to 444.com slash plans. You can get our betting package. Betting package is going to secure you access to everything on the site. It's basically all you're going to need to be profitable this football season. Projections, rankings, DFS. We just came out with another tool on the betting side that is absolutely incredible. Uh, it's really all you need. So definitely go over there, check it out. There are lots of great ways to get it for even cheaper. You're going to want to do that for sure. Continue to subscribe and- here. Uh, go ahead. Also, a sub gets you into the 444 Slack, and I can tell you that I have seen the Slack work live right now because we were waiting to pick up luggage at the Vegas airport. We, of <laughs> course, are here. Noon, you'll be here tomorrow, but Connor and I are here for the main events early, and Connor is in the airport ignoring his luggage, watching it go round and round the carousel of going in the Slack and tweeting everything. Or the or – the, the, not the Slack. This word, thank you. Yes. I'm a boomer. The Discord. It, it like literally telling all the bets he's placing at the moment. He ignores the rest of reality and life just to get these bets in because that's his job. So it's a good deal. It is. Uh, you know, I was somewhere else last year. As far as it goes, it relates to like, tr- you know, tracking bets and things of that nature. I'm having to make up for this like relationship that Connor has really built in our Discord. They love Connor in there. Uh, he's great at it. And we're, we're going to basically. We're firing off there even sometimes before we bet it ourselves because we want to get our subscribers the best of the number two. Um, so definitely want to check that out. Again, part of our subscriber-only Discord. Um, again, this is the Wednesday show, Game by Game Breakdown. That's what Daigle's here for tonight. On Friday, we just launched last week our Prop Drop show. Uh, that's going to be every Friday night. We're going to have Prop Stars with Connor and I. Basically, same premise. Same as like what Daigle's talking about in the uh, the Discord. We want to get you those numbers as soon as they come out. So we're going to be hitting that live, talking through some of our favorite props, leveraging our prop tool here at 4 for 4. Uh, just good times. Exciting to be a part of all that we have going on. Uh, before we jump into the games, we want to talk a little bit about some of the content you might have seen on the site. Uh, the three of us that participated in the main event draft, slow draft over the last few weeks. Um, Sal has the board for us. Connor's done a great piece basically kind of summarizing our discussion internally. And uh, it's on the site. It's free. Definitely worth checking out. So we kind of wanted to tee it up here. We're in team number 12. You can see four for four. Uh, I want to talk through some of the drama. If you haven't read the site or the article on the site, uh, it's terrific. Definitely highlight some of the things that we've done there. But uh, Daigle, I know that you have been really passionate about some of the discussions, some of the outcomes 
uh, mostly with, with Connor. Uh, but the floor is yours, my friend. What do you have to say about this team? We have the board on our site that Sal, our friend, just pulled up, and the producer. And uh, for everyone, I would urge you to go watch the video because what I'm going to say is very important. So my <laughs> argument for Connor, and Connor, of course, you can rebuttal immediately after. Maybe we can make the middle. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. But just, yep, yeah, you, I'll rebuttal after. Just in talking right now, you did not let me go. So I will say that if you look at the 7-8 turn, right, uh, Jalen Waddle, Michael Pittman, my argument is that whenever Connor said Jalen Waddle, my argument at this point is yes, we need receivers, right? But also, I would like to read to you the next group of receivers: Jalen Waddle, Brandon Cooks, McCole Hardman, Marvin Jones, Marcus Callaway, Corey Davis, DJ Shark, Michael Gallup, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry, Elijah Moore, Michael Pittman, Rondell Moore. The argument was that all these guys are the same, all the same. Uh, they all have the same roles, and so let someone else make the mistake, and then we will take the next two left over. So rather than getting just Damian Harris and a wide receiver, that we are then having too much hubris, in my opinion, to say this receiver is better than that last 12 receivers I just named, I am saying I would like to double-tap running back because the tier beyond that is clearly much lower than the tier of running backs we had available to us. And so like the difference between Mostert and let's say Giovanni Bernard is tremendous. We know that because Mostert gets carries, Giovanni Bernard does not. Whereas the receivers, we don't know. Even Jalen Waddle averaged three catches per game in college, but it's not the point. The point is let's just draft after everyone else drafts the receivers and take the chance on the players that they left behind us. That is my argument. But we drafted Jalen Waddle. That is my right. issue. And so now, All right. Connor. Yeah. All right. So a few things there. So what I, I don't disagree with your premise. My issue with this was that I thought that there was only three or four wide receivers in a different tier than those guys. And that's where we disagree is that our tier breaks are different because I view Jalen Waddle, Corey Davis, uh, Elijah Moore, and uh, Marvin Jones. All of those guys who I said, you know what, I don't think they're going to be there next round. Those guys are legitimate contributors as wide receiver three slash wide receiver two's potential, in my opinion. And this is where we disagree. And if you look at our current team, all we have right now is, is DJ Moore and Odell Beckham. Our running backs right now, we went on the one-two turn as Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. So we were strong at running back, weak at wide receiver. And I thought that these that group of wide receivers were difference makers and would not be there at the next turn, which they were not. I was correct in what I viewed as the tier. So for me, I think it still made sense, even in hindsight. And I, but I also gave you the option. I was said, you know, I prefer Waddle out of all these, but I said, I will take any of these guys and you could have the option, but then you just ghosted us. And we're so mad that I didn't like Marquise <laughs> Brown, which is a totally different topic that you did decide not to respond. So then I just said, you know what? I'm not going to auto draft in the seventh round. We did that plenty later. <laughs> and, you know, I pick Jalen Waddle. So that's that's my side of the argument. I think that your side is valid, but I think we just disagree on our rankings and our tiers. And that's, you know, probably a little bit more uh, well said than what we went over text. And we probably should have just had a call about this whole thing to settle it. But here we are now. I think we disagree on how to draft. 
Uh, because I even go against, <laughs> I even go against my own strategies at times because I take what the board gives me and the board gave us the running back double tap, whether I wanted or not, that's what the board allotted. And I follow the board. That's my spirit. That's my God. And why I, that's why I wanted running backs. Like, like what? Because is, what, everyone else what? drafted receiver and that's why there were so many left over, right? Like that top portion went off. And so we had three guys there to take Harris uh, uh, AJ Dillon or Raheem Mostert. Yeah. yeah, and I was happy with Harris, but I think we should have taken one more running back. That's the issue. And then nitpicked the wide receivers afterwards that were left over, picking up the crop. That was yeah, my I, mean, I, I, I again, I get it, but that was their ADP. So it's not like I don't think that the board like left us. That's just like where they're actually going. So like, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that you're more down on those wide receivers compared to the running backs in that range, just in general. You want some hindsight analysis? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, Daigle is right. Thank oh. you. Yeah, well, Just, because you're a big again, Michael Pittman stand. That's why. That's so that's that's Michael fair. Pittman, so, but, but he's part, part of, of that group. Here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. So I think that that's actually was part of it. So like I I kind of agreed with Connor at the time too, where I I thought there was a difference. I thought Pittman was in that discussion, but look, again, it's hindsight. So I know that that's totally not fair. But again, now looking with the ability to look at how the board played out we were able to get someone like Emmanuel Sanders in the 14th rounds where I'd much rather have had right now Moster to be able to plug into that, where that wall spot is. And we could have done something different with the Tevin Coleman spot. We could have got, you know, MVS, something that's not even not super exciting, but there are other ways to have gone again, just with the way that the board played out. I think part of it though, is that because Connor and I were not massive DJ Moore stands, we felt that we were trying to make up a little bit for the gap of our, wide receiver one, which we feel is a little bit of a deficit compared to maybe some other places on the board. And again, we, we all wanted to go different than, than running back, running back to start. And that's really what this trickles down to. If there's, if that's Calvin Ridley, Aaron Jones, this is totally different. Very easy. We probably smash Mostert and Harris and we're good to go. But we just, the top of the board went way different. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, all were the guys that we were targeting at 12 and 13. I think the, yeah, the Jalen Waddle pick created a butterfly effect of like the next pick. So like maybe even our selections are even better than Michael Pittman, Rondo Moore, who, by the way, I'm, I'm happy with. I'm not high on Michael Pittman, but like we came to an agreement on that selection just fine because that's the player that was left over. If that was like Jarvis Landry, that's the player that's left over. That was my argument. Having said that, my second point is Connor straight up. Uh, fantasy points per game. I will take Marquise Brown over Jalen Waddle any effing day of the week. Oh yes, how much you want on this? I will take any amount. Well, we'll talk about stakes off the whatever like, your let, max. Let's yeah, get the yeah, actual. Whatever. Let's get the bet on board on the podcast. Um, Done. Okay, Done good. In a heartbeat. I, I want to uh, settle it that way as well. I thought you were going to go Mostert versus Waddle, and I was like, eh, that's not like. No, nope, because really it, it wasn't the argument. That was what the board yeah. gave us. Yeah. Yeah. Waddle versus uh, Marquise Brown points per game. Totally fine with it. Marquise Brown's ADP is severely off. Everyone's doing the injury dip, even though he's healthy. If everyone's doing the regression dip, even though that stopped in week 13 last year. Yes, I want Marquise Brown over Jalen Waddle every single time. Now, on the board, we can move on to week one. Love it. Love it. All right. We got a full slate. Let's jump into it. I'm really excited to finally talk some football. Again, we're still in preseason mode. You know, we don't have a lot of games or a lot of things to go off of, but we're going to get it started with the Eagles and Falcons. 
Um, lines are moving a little bit. Uh, this actually has moved down to three a little bit, total at 44. Uh, not really bullish on either of these clubs, but the, if the Falcons are going to be viable at all, they have to take advantage of this home opener against Philadelphia. Uh, Daigle, kick us off. Talk to me about this one. I actually want to make the first game a rhetorical question, and I'm curious, why is this getting steamed down? I want one of you to explain it to me because I genuinely thought this was game was the way to sneak in strong DFS plays, after, especially after the Falcons cut Kadri Allison for a special team player in Wayne Gallman, and so perhaps it would have led to more Mike Davis. And then we have seen, Connor, I know you have it on your end, we've seen the Eagles and Falcons props release on our end, and the again, the Discord for four is pumping with those because they're bad numbers. So why is every number coming down in this game? Because I don't get it. So hopefully one of y'all understand it. I have no idea. I'm really surprised that it's moving the other way. I thought if there was going to be movement on this game, it might move to a four, four and a half, kind of that Vegas zone. But to have it steam down the other way, to have it just minus three, very peculiar. I, I know Connor is a big Jalen Hurts guy. Um, I know that this Falcons secondary is arguably the worst in the league. They don't have much, much of a pass rush to speak of. But again, th- there are a lot of questions on Philadelphia side too. I don't know where the conviction is coming from. Uh, Connor, talk to me about this one. Yeah, I'm not really taking a side here, but I do think that Philadelphia team total over 22.5 is really interesting if you're able to find it there um, because you're looking at uh, Philly offensive line, which figures to be strong. Jalen Hurts returning. Devonta Smith's healthy. Jalen Rager probably figures to play some kind of role. Both Zach Hurts and Dallas Goddard are still there. And you're matching up against an, uh, an Atlanta defense, which, you know, bottom three pass rush, bottom three secondary. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they don't smash, I think something's seriously wrong. So I think 22.5 is – uh, generous, and I think that I would bet that up to 23. I think they end up with 24 to 27 points in this one. Um, but the issue is I think that the Falcons' offense could easily put up 27 to 30 as well. And so, you know, I, I like the lean towards the over in this game, probably not touching the spread. If I had to take the spread, I'd probably bet on the Eagles. But, again, Eagles team total for me in this one. I, I don't know if it represents how Nick Sirianni will run the Eagles, but I do know that in his three seasons as the Colts OC, the Eagles finished – top 10 all three seasons, first, ninth, and fourth overall in pace and neutral situation. We're in Vegas. I have to make sure I enunciate here. <laughs> neutral situation uh, for for the offense. So I think they're going to be a fast offense. We know that Jalen Hurts averaged 12 carries per game and his three full starts. Small sample, I understand. But to think that that's how he is as a player. That's how he was at Nebraska, or Oklahoma. That's how he is now in the NFL in a small sample last year. It just seems – odd that all of the numbers came down for the entire offense. I just don't get it. Yeah, I think there are some scenarios that happened in the last couple of days that work really well for both of these backs, Daigle. I think to me that's what you're talking about too. Like that Mike Davis path to a really nice workload in week one seems pretty clear. Uh, the path to even Miles Sanders, there was a loaded back. They had like five guys and now they're really down to three. And two only, of those three. Guys, only three and Scott and Gainwell are not really prototypical, you know, carry the ball between the tackle guys. They are nice sprinkles in the passing game, but it seems like a nice spot for even Miles Sanders is a guy that no one was really excited about in the preseason. So we're actually leaning a little under on the Sanders carry props, but that's one that I think is pretty interesting to me. I want to take a look at as the week goes on here a little bit. I think we have it at, um, we're a little under, I think it's 15 and a half on DraftKings and we have him just a, a tad under 14, but I, I think that I could see them if this game is going to be up in pace 
I could see Sanders getting in that 15 to 18 carry range very easily. So I would lean Eagles. Uh, I'm sorry, I would lean Falcons. I don't have a lean currently, but I'm really surprised that it's moving in the in the Eagles direction. I yeah, we'll talk about more props probably on Friday here, but um, the Kyle Pitts, like as Dago alluded to, the Kyle Pitts lines were just silly low. So uh, smash the covers there. Um, And you know, we'll probably if those still exist somehow on Friday, I will also bring those up as some of my favorite bets because that's just ridiculous. Jalen Hurts, uh, I believe, opened at DK thirty nine and a half as well rushing yards. Um, I don't know how he does not get there. <laughs> Again, I'm looking at all the numbers and I'm speechless. I'm blown away. Yeah, we have him right on that number, but I agree. Okay. I, I agree. But like when you look at his performance last year, there was some so much of that was scramble. Like it was not design run. Correct. I think that's part of his immaturity in the pocket. Hopefully that's better in year two, but I think that's still there. Like I think that's prohibitive of, of really his growth and maybe a little bit why I'm down on him as a passer. But uh, the, on the other side, Atlanta is not a team that's going to force you to scramble. They really don't have a lot. Like their best pass rusher is a defensive tackle. Like that's not great. So they're not really going to be collapsing the pocket very much. So, um, but I'm with you. Like he could do that on, on two carries just by you know being impatient and in, in, in breaking the pocket. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, really excited and bullish on this Buffalo team. Uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo uh, spread six and a half, total 48 and a half. Again, I, I did some pretty deep dives on divisional preview bets here with four for four. And the more I dug into Buffalo and I sent our group chat a text, I'm like, I want Buffalo alt overs. I think this team is really good. They are returning 21 of 22 stars. The only one is John Brown gone. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders sliding in there. I think they did a really nice job in the draft adding to their pass rush. I think they have a good enough secondary. They don't really have a great secondary cornerback outside of Tredavious White, but otherwise they have an elite safety duo back there. This team is absolutely loaded. They are a Twitter analytics wet dream where they just forego running the ball. They dial it up with deep A dot stuff. They go four receiver almost as much as anyone in the league. And Josh Allen is the ceiling is the roof. Dagle. I'm excited about this team. I think they're going to be really good. And that's why the Bills minus six and a half or anything under seven is one of my favorite bets of the entire week. Uh, the Steelers' defense is a shadow of what they were last year. TJ Watt, for the first time in five weeks, finally did team reps in training camp or in practice just on Wednesday as we are recording this. They also released Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton, two of three starting corners from last year's nickel package, and Bud Dupree has since signed with Tennessee. So basically, what do you think happens is the major question whenever Joe Hayden tries to cover Stephon Diggs. The Steelers' defense burns to the ground. Uh, we know that Josh Allen, he in that final preseason game, he passed on 26 of his <laughs> 33 snaps to play in the first half. And then Brian Dable even came out after and said he wants to throw even more than last year when they had the second highest pass play rate in neutral game scratch. The this go this is a hindsight note, but I still want to say it because it's always been odd that people are trying to prioritize any Bills running back when they average the fourth fewest touches per game among backfields last year and want to throw more. Like if they give the ball to running backs, their offense gets worse. And Dable is one of the most intelligent play cars in the NFL. He knows that. So given the struggles on defense that I believe the Steelers have, given the 
up-tempo offense, an efficient offense that the Bills have, I think they just ram it down their throats through the air. And I'm not saying the Steelers like can't bounce back because perhaps Roethlisberger's arm has regenerated over the offseason. Um, there's also Najee Harris, who we know is not going to come off the field, especially since Anthony McFarlane just moved to IR for the first three games. There is no chance Benny Snell plays passing snaps, especially after – Average seven and a half routes per game uh, behind James Conner last year, and he's smaller than Najee Harris, so he's not playing goal line reps either. He's basically just not going to touch the field. So I do love the Bills' offense as a whole, and I think Najee Harris, even in a blowout, was still safe for genuinely eight catches here. Wow, love it! Yeah, I took uh, the over on his rushing yards early yesterday, fifty-five and a half, and he gets up to fifty-seven and a half. Again, not a great game scenario, but to Daigle's point, he's not coming off the field. I think the over on his carries is a nice number, too. I think those are both out there um, and very, very viable. Again, lots of talk in the offseason about even though the offensive line is a problem, Matt Canada wants to run a little bit more. They want to use more play action, more motion, things that Ben really didn't do well. But they didn't even do very much at all, even try last year. Uh, Connor, are you with us here on the Bills? I wouldn't say that I'm as, as excited in, in terms of this bet at set minus seven, but at six and a half, I'm definitely interested. Um, my only devil's advocate would be that this defense was, you know, second in EPA last year. So like they were a legitimately elite unit. And so that a step back for them is probably like into like the 10 to 12, 10 to 15 kind of range. And so, you know, that's still a pretty good defense. Uh, and then if TJ Watt is, and again, this, if TJ Watt is healthy, I feel a lot better about them probably being a fringe top 10 unit still, even with two of their corners gone and Bud Dupree gone. Um, but I'm, it's not enough for me to bet them and, or back them or feel comfortable with them. Uh, so, yeah, I think the way you guys, you know, the points you guys made are great. Also, Daigle, for what it's worth, Najee Harris over three and a half receptions right now, plus 110, three and a half. Uh, three and a half. So, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's, that's put that in the Discord. Thing. Or the slack, yeah, whatever the hell you want to put it in. Projections are right there, but I think that you're right that they're underrating his pass catching role. So yeah, put it in your pipe and smoke it, Connor. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm with you. Like, so there are a few things there. They had a cupcake schedule. They're a good defense. They had a cupcake schedule. They beat up on it. And to Daigle's point, they didn't. They lost two of the three starting quarterbacks and did very little to replace them. So I think they'll still have a good pass rush. I think it's still a top 10 defense. I don't think it's the best defense in the league per se. There's a lot of pressure on Joe Hayden to be an absolute anchor stud shutdown corner because otherwise it's just kind of a domino effect and things really start to trickle down and not a worse place to have that magnified in week one than at the Bills who are just – Degaffing every time down the field, they just want to chuck it. So I uh, like that quite a bit. I, I'm going to kind of watch this total because if we can get this Bills team total down even a little bit more, even against the Steelers, I, I'm not shy. If we can get it down into the 27 Absolutely. range, no, that's that's appealing to me. All right, next we have the Vikings. Uh, this one's also moved. Uh, Vikings at the Bengals. Uh, Vikings three point road uh, favorites here. 48 is the total. Look, the Vikings had a very unusual year. You don't see a lot of Mike Zimmer defenses perform that poorly, but they basically have an entirely new front seven this year between um, injuries, COVID opt-ins, um, you know, some of the additions they've had in free agency and the draft, completely different team. Um, same in the back half. There's a, some new guys there, You know, Patrick Peterson. Again, this is not prime Patrick Peterson, but again, a revamped Vikings defense that really struggled last year. And the Bengals still dealing with a lot of questions, not really glowing reports on either side of the ball. 
And I'm really curious why this is another one that's moved from three and a half down to three, Daigle. What are your thoughts on this one? It is odd because last year in week one, the Vikings' top four corners, their dime package, had nine combined career starts together. Just a bunch of no-name rookies and guys shoveled up from free agency hoping they would start. Whereas this year, their dime package, their top four corners, have 282 combined starts and are far more experienced with a player who has shut down upside like Patrick Peterson, even though I, I do understand he hasn't been that elite players since he was tested for PEDs and uh which was like a year and a half two years ago and since has been league average but nonetheless it's still veteran experience in their secondary and now you factor in after that their front seven which is not only healthy but top heavy and rich with depth and Sheldon Richardson Michael Pierce Dalvin Tomlinson Daniel Hunter's return and Everson Griffin and meanwhile the Bengals offensive line has got worse and grabbing Jamar Chase, but still passing on a important position and just hoping for the best in a second, third round offensive lineman. Also, the Bengals secondary as well has gotten much worse in giving up William Jackson, who I understand was league average, maybe slightly above league average last year, but also in the past was literally Rebus Island. He was on an, uh, half of the field by himself, shutting down the opposing offense's best wide receiver. Whereas now it's just Chidobe Awuzier and Trey Hendrickson and Carl Lawson were a 1v1 swap. So I think all around the Bengals just gotten worse. Perhaps the volume is up. Like it shows on paper, the passing volume, the pace as they were at last year with Joe Burrow, but this is not the week. Uh, I think the pain is coming this week, and so I am high on the Vikings team total against this bad Bengals secondary for 25.5 points over that, and I genuinely think the Vikings just roll them. Yeah, I'm with you. I know that we've, I think we all got in on that Vikings team total early in the week uh, through the bands. Uh, Connor, are you backing this too, or are you also going to? Um, tout your Bengals. I know you're a big Bengals guy. I, I am a big Bengals guy, but with everything that that's happened and kind of the offseason moves, I can't really back them here. So uh, I think it's kind of a point to stay away from me. And uh, I like the Vikings team total over here, but other than that, I'm, I'm pretty much off this game. And I think you guys covered most of uh, what's happened in the offseason and kind of how to approach this team specifically. Such a concentrated offense in Minnesota, too. So when we start to get a better feel for some of these props, they're a team that you'd love to attack, especially in a situation where you want to you think they're going over like this is kind of like an old dfs adage right so i know like we always lean on team totals right we want to look at what the what we think the game environment is going to be but everyone is using team totals what you want to find is a spot where you think a team is going to far exceed their team total because that's where it's not baked into their projections it's not going to be baked into ownership and all those things are going to work in your favor so it's not just looking at okay this is a really strong total it's where do i think that the market is wrong we think the market's wrong on minnesota that makes them very interesting in the prop market. It makes them very interesting in DFS. So it's uh, it actually sucks because as much as everyone talked up Cincinnati, including myself, I've been high on them. Like it just seems like this first three weeks is not the time to buy in. And I really hoped it was the other way around that roster percentage and DFS would go towards the Bengals and thus my leverage would be Dalvin Cook and the Vikings defense correlation. But now it just seems like that's gonna be fairly popular anyways, which sucks. Yeah, the Bengals are just so cheap in, in DFS and DraftKings this week. So I'll still probably play the Vikings defense, to be honest. Yeah, I'll still carry some ownership for sure. All right, uh, next one. We have San Francisco on the road against the Lions. Seven and a half is the number. Totals dipped a little bit down to 45. 
Yeah, I mean, this is uh, seems like a mismatch. Uh, this seems like an obvious teaser leg. It seems like uh, just a total blowout. Is there anything that we're missing here, Dale? I just, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm not sticking up for the lines. I just have this like unwritten rule in my brain to always be wary of teams at home in week one because I mean we've been fooled on this so many times. Uh, even so, I will say that Anthony Lynn. His last stint as offensive coordinator came in 2016, and the Bills actually had the second most rushes per game. Uh, and they have not tried to hide that fact at all this offseason. They want to bite kneecaps off. They literally want to do whatever they can to slow the game down and try to force the game between the tackles, between the 20s. And I just don't think that's going to happen with an uber-efficient offense like the 49ers. Uh, logically, on paper, it makes sense where the 49ers just cream them. They just roll over them. But again, I I don't know. I, I still worry a little bit just because they're at home in week one. Seems too obvious. And I know Connor is ready to talk about the Lions. We don't have any rushing props on the Lions side yet either because that would be very interesting. I think there was some of that you know, consternation around Swift and his viability. Jamal Williams sounds like he's going to be prominently involved either way. That could be a, an interesting look when that pops. Cause I uh, imagine the markets may be a little bit behind on that. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I took a pretty big position on uh, 49ers minus seven. And then now at seven and a half, I'd still consider him, but I think that they're a great teaser leg. I know that, you know, you're probably into mm-hmm. that a little bit. Um, I, you know, if the 49ers lose outright to the Lions, I mean, they need to take a, a walk of shame around San Francisco because, I mean, that would be frankly embarrassing given what's going on here. But actually, actually though, I also took the Lions team total under 19 points. Um, I think it should be closer to 17 and a half in this one. I just can't imagine the Lions scoring more than three times just in general, uh, you know, two touchdowns and a field goal. Um, just given what happened here, the 49ers defense last year was one of the most injured teams in the league, still finished eighth in defensive EPA. Um, now they're fully healthy match against Jared Goff, uh, the Lions with probably one of the worst receiving cores in the league. I mean, maybe arguably the worst outside of TJ Hawkinson, uh, Penny Sewell. I mean, he just got absolutely whipped in the preseason by anyone with a pulse. Um, and so I think he's going to take, I don't think he's a bust, you know, I'm not going to say that, but I think he's gonna take a few weeks, uh, to be, you know, to come along here. So you're looking at a Lions offensive line, which gets a lot of credit for being a team uh, for being an offensive line that should be a top 10 unit, but was only like 15th to 17th in most metrics last year. And now I had a Penny Sewell who didn't look good. So you're looking at an offensive line. Then week one is probably going to be average. It's going against a really strong pass rush, a really strong defense just in general uh, outside of their cornerback unit. And who's going to beat the 49ers corners, Tyrell Williams. You know, there's, there's no way where I think that this lions offense is going to have great success against the 49ers defense. So I'm on the Lions team total under I'm on uh, San Francisco at minus seven. And I think that they're a vi- very viable teaser leg uh, in most spots. That's the one reason I'll be staying away from the hook. Like, I would love to get it at seven, but it's probably, you know, you have to dig for it right now. But the fact that the 49ers secondary actually is bad. Like, they use yeah. basically their pass rush to be their secondary, yeah. and the issue is both D Ford and Nick Bosa are probably going to be limited players this week alone. So I'm, I'm just very skeptical. 49ers just need to play, like, cover one the entire time and just blitz. Yes. Like, every single play. Like, literally, like, be like, Beat me on the outside. And imagine Jared Goff, you know, connecting with Tyrell Williams. I mean, maybe once a game if it ever happens. I mean, I yeah. doubt it, though. Like, you know, that that's seriously, it's not going to happen. Yeah, Connor and I talked offline the other day about how few really good secondaries there are in the league. And there are numerous teams out there that are doing kind of this Niners model, whether by choice or by force. Like, they have to basically 
you know, supersede anything in the back half by making sure that they generate some sort of pass rush. Um, and the 49ers are able to do that, and they should be able to do it against the Lions. I'm not ready to say that Panay Sewell, even though he's rusty, um, isn't going to be good. I think they're it's a, again, welcome to the league kind of game here against the Niners. But I'm kind of with Daigle, too. Like, I'm with Connor in the fact that I think that the, the Lions are a really bad football team, like maybe only better than the Texans. But there are just weird things that happen in week one in, in the home opener with a new coaching staff. There's like this – they don't suck yet. They're O and O. They haven't lost anything under Dan Campbell, who we might mock, but seems like a Ted Lasso kind of vibe, right? Kind of can galvanize a locker room. They got a lot of hand in the dirt guys in the coaching staff. They can get a really good, you know, first game pep talk. Go out there and show up in the first half. And it's one of those games. Come halftime, we're like, what the hell's going on in Detroit? Like, how come the Niners aren't burying them? So. They're, they I, are part of the very, 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 very easy teaser. I, like this week. I definitely have been part of too many easy wins in week one where it turns out they were actually easy losses. Uh, I've seen far too many home upsets in week one where I was on the other side because they were the quote unquote better team. And so I'm just, I'm just a veteran of bad experiences to where like, I know this is what happens in week one and week two, even in DFS is literally my favorite week because it's regression week. We have data and then we know to go against the grain at that time. And so, uh, yeah, week one, I'm still skeptical of the teams we think are horrible i do think they can be horrible but there's always like the one get up moment and like that would of course be in front of a home crowd so i'm yeah. thinking yeah, we have I'm, another we have intuition another game is a little weird like this too yeah, we, we absolutely have do have another game like this yes. yeah yeah the, the bucks niners rams teaser just just smacks you in the face it is like just way too easy that feels like someone is going to stub their toe there i mean i'll probably take a piece of it because it just seems like it's such an easy one um but i'm interested to see i'm not going to chase the seven and a half because it it makes me a little bit nervous all right next seattle on the road against the colts two and a half uh is the number on seattle's ones moves and kind of held with the carson wentz uh news Injury news a couple months ago, a total at 48 and a half. Um, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of questions that haven't been answered for the Colts. And I just don't think they're a very good team, to be honest. Even if Carson Wentz plays his best, I don't know what his best is at this point. He was awful last year. Um, like really, really, really bad. He Basically, only Dwayne Haskins had a higher completion percentage over expectation than him. He held the ball longer than anyone else in the league. We know that sacks are a uh, quarterback stat. He led the league in fumbles by the time he was benched last year. He was awful. Um, that's the only thing that really has me down on Michael Pittman. But I feel like the Seahawks team is going to be re- interesting. I think we're all really bullish on all we have heard from Shane Waldron. Uh, we think they might run the ball a little bit more, but we're talking about improved pace. We're talking about pre-stat motion. We're talking about play action passing. We're talking about diversifying route trees for uh, you know Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Very, very bullish on the Seahawks. Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, we actually got down on this uh, a lot. So we got down on it at plus three, Seahawks plus three prior yeah. to the Wentz news. We got down on it at Seahawks money line at plus money. And then I kept hitting it and I see it hit Seahawks minus one and a half. Um, and I, you know, I mean, Daigle's brought up multiple times how you know Carson Wentz is one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league and now you have an injured Carson Wentz with no practice uh you know coming off the off of COVID or like whatever the COVID list so he's basically still had no practice and is still rebabbing his foot so 
I think that's almost better than them rolling out like another another quarterback like for our Seahawks for the Seahawks side because they have tape on Carson Wentz and they kind of understand more what to expect rather than the guy that they throw in there. So like I mean I'm still on Seahawks minus two and a half. I think that they're going to win by three or more. Um, I get that there are interesting pieces of the Colts offense, but they've just seems like they've been through the ringer with injuries and COVID lists and, you know, practice times and everything has just been all over the place for this Colts team. Whereas the Seahawks camp has been pretty quiet. It seems like for the most part, um, it seems like, you know, business as usual outside of their office of coordinator, which as you addressed, um, I think could be interesting to say the least. So, you know, even if the offensive coordinator isn't great and that Shane Waldron doesn't pan out, I think that this, the Seahawks team should still do plenty of damage to the Colts. Uh, I like them at minus two and a half, but obviously I'm not going to take another position after, you know, hitting three others that were in better spots. Yeah. Carson Wentz's out was literally that he could scramble around. Even if the pass was incomplete, he could evade pass rushers. And now I highly doubt he can even do that. So I'm even more down on him. Um, The fact the line had to move at all for Carson Wentz is still offensive to players when the line moves for. Also, you have to remember that the Colts lost in free agency like – the guys on their offensive line who let in snaps at their position, the snap soaker ups, the Justin Houston and Dinico Autrys of their front seven, and then tried to replace them in the draft with Quiddy Pay, who registered 11 and a half sacks in 38 games in the Big Ten. Just underwhelming production. And of course, they also drafted Odeo Dangbo, who is coming off an Achilles tear from January and probably won't be ready. Like their defense also isn't anyone that scares you. Like they have Darius Leonard. I understand that. But their secondary, I mean, you're talking about Russ, DK, and Tyler Lockett. There is no one they, they can cover them. And so I am still very high on the Seahawks in this matchup, even though the line has moved egregiously in their favor. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the entire premise of the Colts. Like, they have great coaching. Coaching matters. Absolutely. It matters in this league. It matters in this league more, probably more than any sport. But I feel like everything else is a little overrated. The offensive line, everyone thinks the offensive line is great. It really averaged last year. They were like 20th in, you know, uh, pass block win rate. They were like 21st in run block win rate. I think it's tied to Quentin, Quentin Nelson. Like Quentin Nelson's an all pro, but like the rest of the unit is not great. I know they had some injuries last year on the defensive side. It's a couple of guys, you know, Leonard is fantastic. DeForest Buckner is great. They're really banking on a second consecutive Xavier Rhodes outstanding season. That hasn't happened since before Connor was born. Like this is not going <laughs> to something that we should count on. I think they're going to get torched. I'm, um, I've got the positions that Connor has early on. I'm also in on the Seahawks over 25 and a half. I shared that with you guys the other day. I think, that, again, we're dealing with key numbers just like we are in spreads. You know, 27, 28 is a pretty, these are pretty key numbers in team totals. I'm getting the Seahawks in a dome on a fast track against a team that I don't think can generate enough pressure to punish them. I love the over on the Seahawks here. And and Quentin Nelson's like back flared up today in practice, like this close to the regular season after he had already missed some time on the COVID list and with another injury. Not to mention that Eric Fisher is trying to return to practice, even though he was projected to be out until October. Like a guy returning early from a torn to ACL does not get me excited at all. Uh, that means he's probably rushing back. And Ryan Kelly, of course, is on the COVID list as well and is still struggling to get back to full health. So there are just so many clusters of injuries. And, of course, a COVID cluster because it's one of the least vaccinated teams in the entire league that, one, none of this is shocking. But, two, it's all happening in clusters together, which should make you worried about this team as a whole. 
All right, we'll move on to this absolute barn burner of a AFC South matchup with Jacksonville on the road against the Texans. The Texans aren't even home favorites in this one. Jacksonville's now moved to three pretty much everywhere. Total 40 and a half, which is pretty healthy. I mean, this is the worst team in the league. If they don't win this one, there is a real shot that they don't win a game this season. I know that that's could sound like hyperbole. I know that we have this preseason hubris that can get in the way of making decisions that we feel that we've spent six months doing all this research and unpacking all of these teams. But like, look at that roster. It is a terrible roster. They basically had one average defender. They traded him today. Um, the offense is, a, they have a nice offensive tackle. They have probably the strangest collection of offensive weapons. They, it's just a mess with the Texans. Uh, Dangle, talk to me about this one. Do they have any shot? They are at home. Week one, the Daigle unwritten rule. Again, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've seen it far too many game. times. Also, like, it's still Urban Meyer who has done every wrong decision you can do up to this point. Like, Trevor Lawrence has arguably been a Jaguar longer than Urban Meyer. And even so, the fact he had him splitting first-team reps with a quarterback they were eventually going to trade in the final week of the preseason anyhow throughout camp is wild to me. Um, he's only doing things that are detrimental to this team. And so I do think this is – I'm not going to call an upset special, but I will not be picking this game in any survivor pools because I do genuinely worry that perhaps the Jaguars effed around so much this offseason that the Texans can win this one game. This is their chance, genuinely. They have one chance. This is it. Yeah, this is uh, this is it. Like I think that there's no – if you try to look at that schedule, it's like, man, like – they have the second hardest strength of schedule in the league, which is terrible luck for them. It's it's just atrocious. Obviously, the cloud hanging over with you know Deshaun Watson, how good he was. They were four and twelve last year, and he was like historically good uh, as far as like a quarterback on a four and twelve team. He was incredible when you look at some of the uh, defensive adjusted metrics that they have over at Football Outsiders, for example. Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? Any shots for the Texans? Um, I don't think so. I, I went pretty heavy on Jags minus two and a half a while ago. I think that maybe the game is close because of what Dago's saying, maybe Trevor Lawrence doesn't come onto the scene right away. And that like, we're talking about an outcome where, you know, Trevor Lawrence is struggling as a rookie and like, you know, it's his first game and Urban Meyer's first game. And like, but even at that point, like asking them to win by three against the worst team in the league and a team that has legitimately no good players, like no good players top to bottom. Um, he signed Danny Amendola today. Uh, Dusty Danny. Oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> multiple multiple yeah. Super Bowls. Just putting that out there. I mean, I yeah, mean like, what, a, what a bad excuse of a slot receiver they did for that. They literally only – they tried him out only because he lives in the Woodlands, Texas, which for those that don't know is like 40 minutes out from where Texans play. And then, of course, uh, he has ties with Nick Sirianni, which is also why they favored him. What a Probably what went a to Jack uh, Easterby's yeah. church. Yeah. yeah. I know a friend of the show, too, uh, Evan Silva, is also on uh, Houston team total under 21. You can find that at points bet, or that was available at points bet. Uh, even 20 and a half. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I think that even if the Jaguars' offense sucks, like I just think it's 
such a slim chance that the Texans offense is like good enough to score more than 20 points, even against the Jaguars defense, which is a top, a bottom 10 unit, you know, top to bottom there. So yeah, I just, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm ignoring the, the things that are thinking about. We know more than we do, but I, it just right now, it seems like really, really like a slim chance that this Texans team is even remotely decent. I think that they're going to be worse or as bad as that. 0 17 lions team or 0 16 lions team, uh, you know, a while back and that they're going to, you know, rival that barring like catastrophic injuries mid season to another team. Yeah. They're going to be bad. This is a definitely quarter TV game. I will not be on, uh, not be on in the basement here for sure. I'm going to avoid that one as much as we can. Next one, we have the Chargers making the trip east against the Washington football team. This one has moved to a pick'em, total down to 44 and a half as well. Uh, you know, interesting team. Obviously, the football team was able to kind of be the bell of the ball in a really bad division last year. Capitalized on that, hosted a playoff game despite going seven and nine. The Chargers had a really nice run at the end of the season, as they typically do, stubbed their toe, uh, got hopes up for their fans with a really nice stretch or performance down the stretch by Justin Herbert here. Um, but uh, new coaching staff, new philosophy on both sides of the ball, and obviously new quarterback for Washington, Daniel. What are your thoughts on this one as a pick-em? Oh, you pull the Connor. There you go. Uh, also, Derwin Derwin James healthy for the first time in what seems like for the first time his yeah. entire career. Uh, Asante Samuel, who was already projected as a shutdown corner, is essentially their nickel. Uh, people are just underrating their front seven and secondary. Their defense as a whole, especially with Brandon Staley calling plays or helping out on defense after he literally only had two good players with the Rams. And I understand they're... Pro- they are arguably the best players at their individual positions. Joe Johnson, did, Joe Johnson was pretty damn good. And, and, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but like, also, he just knows how to move them around correctly. Like, he knows where they need to be at the time when they need to be there. And so, just to have now a talent across the board, I'm still worried about this game being like a San Antonio Spurs basketball game and just like a fundamental showing to where the pace is slow and the offense is just grinding out points. And so, I'm not really on anything here. And I'm not really excited about this game either, except to see perhaps Antonio Gibson's third down usage, which he didn't have in the preseason at all we talked about this at length on our divisional preview pod i wrote about it a lot too we had benjamin albright on and um we albright and i were on the same page on this without talking previously but they couldn't have been more diametrically opposed as far as what the chargers did defensively last year and how they're kind of equipped with the personnel and what the rams did last year under staley as far as running single high safety and two high safety now it's very easy to your point to really execute a single high safety with Jalen Ramsey on one side, locking off one half of the field and someone like Aaron Donald in the middle. But what happens now when uh, Connor has already heard this argument, what happens now when they have to kind of shoehorn what they have talent wise to a scheme? So I'm, I'm really interested to see how Staley adapts to that. Connor, is he going to kind of force fit his scheme into things or is he going to adapt based on his personnel? The Chargers also have a really tough start schedule wise to the season. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, no, I think you, you bring up some good points and reasons to be potentially concerned about this Chargers team. I just think that, like, Justin Herbert was, you know, way, way better than I think anyone thought and that this offense, you know, functioned a lot better and that, like, you know, there's 
Sure, it may take him some time to learn, you know, the new offense. But I think that just in general, like he is capable of doing that, and we kind of saw that. So maybe they take a they stay the same. But I'm not really too concerned about this team in general. This game, though, for me, is really tough to gauge because I like both of these teams a lot, and we've talked about this. I, I just in general, I think that this Washington football team is extremely underrated. If anything, if I had to pick, make a pick, it would probably be Washington football team money line. But really, I think it's going to be kind of like a slow, grinded out kind of game, um, and uh, I did take a prop, Antonio Gibson, over 12 and a half rushing attempts. It's at 13 and a half now, probably close to 14. Uh, not going to touch that. But again, you know, self uh, shameless promo, join the 4-4 Discord, and if, you will get that number. If it's even a close game, that's a fair number because all it has to be is close, neutral game script, and he's getting carries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the early down back, no Peyton Barber, just, you know, McKissick and uh, Jared Patterson. Uh, so yeah, I think that, I think that's still a good bet. If that's on the board of 13 and a half would play it up to that. We need to watch the Austin Eckler news. He missed practice, apparently dealing with a hamstring injury. That's problematic. Um, there are some really good numbers too. Actually the best bet that we have on the board for this game is a Ryan Fitzpatrick rushing yards over a DraftKings has it posted at an 11 and a half and we have him a tick over 21 yards. So that's a mm. significant advantage. We know that Fitz, even though he's a little bit older, longer in the tooth, he's not afraid to scramble here and there. It only takes a couple of them to get over that 10 yards. I also think Justin Jackson props were we're watching, not Larry Roundtree. Yes. Uh, Jackson is the bigger back, even out of, what was it, San Diego State. He profiled as a three-down option. He hasn't reached that point yet because Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler were always in the way. But that's the guy, if given an opportunity, would probably handle a bulk of the load. That's a good point, actually, because I think that they're probably going to drop all the props for all those. And then it's going to be one of those situations where Austin Eckler could be like, you know, a late, like, hey, he's not going to play that much or a snap count kind of guy. Um, And in that case, like, there's going to be a time, like probably a three to four minute period where you can hammer the overs on the backups like Justin Jackson. And we got down on that multiple times last year with some of the other backfields. And this is like a could be a good opportunity, something that we need to you need to be ready for it, though. Like you need to have push notifications on from either fantasy life. Um, or, uh, you know, Schefter or something like that. So you can put notifications on the 4-4 Discord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, put, I'll post it in there as soon as I can. But again, you have like a three-minute no. period. So I have to bet it and post in there as quick as possible. I usually can get it off, but still it's... You it's need a, to, you need Connor to slow down, yes, on the gin and margaritas, but sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Fantasy Life app is pretty amazing. If, if people have not, I'm a new downloader to the app, and it, it does fire off very quickly. I do find it beating Twitter by uh, you know by a few minutes every time so far. So it is definitely. I worth believe it. it does. Does Fantasy Life sponsor for four? For I say something. Um, it, it is part of the uh, BetSperts group. It is an amazing app that everyone should definitely follow. Correct. <laughs> Good save. I don't know what's happening Perfect. there, but. Yeah. Uh, Next game is going to be interesting. It's the, uh, I guess, a little bit of the Adam Gase Bowl in a sense. We have the Jets on the road against Carolina. Uh, this one is continuing to move Carolina's way down to all the way to five and a half now. Total down to 44. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Jets have uh, trying to wash the stink off of the Adam Gase era, and so is Sam Darnold. And uh, he is a nice set of weapons in Carolina that we are bullish on. Being attached to Joe Brady-led offense is nice. Carolina defense was totally revamped. Basically, they left their entire 2019 or 2020 draft. They used every pick on the defensive side of the ball. They used their first pick this year with uh, Joe, you know, J.C. Horn. Like they are revamping things. Really young defense. 
Um, and this one's going to be fun. I'm surprised this totals continue to hang out there. Uh, Daigle, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's a bad number, right? Uh, even the Jets team total perhaps doesn't get there. I could see that since, as you said, the Panthers have like sneaky stars and scrubs auction fantasy draft build. Yeah. Like they have shut down corner and JC Horn. They have an elite pass rusher and Brian Burns. They have a uh, Jeremy Chin and some others mixed in, but also it's still Zach Wilson's first start. So perhaps it's a little bit worrisome. Whereas on the other side of the ball, something is wrong. Like, one's demographic is off. DJ Moore has been a fourth round pick. Uh, Robbie Anderson has been a sixth, seventh round pick. Terrace Marshall has been a 12th round pick. Dan Arnold has been a 17th round pick in fantasy drafts. And yet Sam Darnold has gone undrafted at times. One of us, one side is completely off. And this of course comes after a year that Joe Brady helped engineer a passing offense that Teddy Bridgewater passed for career high yards in against in hindsight, what was the league's toughest passing schedule 32nd overall for the Panthers last year. Didn't get one ounce of an easy game all year long. And so I do think, I understand Sam Donald's going to throw more, and what happens after he throws more is the real question mark. It could be 20 yards out of bounds. Perhaps it lands in receiver's arms. But I think it's a terrific situation with an easier schedule, and this is where it begins, especially for the over in this game, just in case those young Panthers players aren't ready to be superstars just yet. Yeah, they also didn't. We're missing basically the number one pick in fantasy too. Christian McCaffrey was out all year last year right. too. Nice again. Uh, there's there's really nothing that Sam Darnold has had that resembles anything like this Panthers offense that he had. Now there's some questions on the offensive line. They're not great, uh, but again the Jets are not a great pass rush team. Again, have a dominant defensive tackle, but really outside of you know they've uh, lost Carl Lawson for the entire yes. year. Uh, I don't know. Like Connor, I'm not calling you out in general because I don't I don't know if I can, but like can you name two Jets secondary players? Um I I can because I wrote them up and had to Google it. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, that's how I so it's right now their cornerback group is gonna be Bryce Hall, I think, J- J- Javelin yep. Guidre, and then they released Bless on Austin, right? But it was so bad they released Bless Austin. Like imagine yeah. like getting to that level because he was a starter and then they cut him. It's yeah. it's literally the worst secondary in the entire league. I don't even know like anything about Javelin Guidre. Like if you even <laughs> that sounds like a made up like a makeup player name. You know, it is, like a it's, a, it's a Madden franchise <laughs> seventeen years down the road player. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean you could have told me that and I wouldn't have even called you out on it. Like no no one knows. I mean the last year this Jets defense was twenty seventh in EPA defensive EPA and they might be worse. Like they're, they they're worse. probably worse. Um, worse. the Panthers defense could be better, twenty fourth in defensive EPA last year, but uh, as for reasons you said, and I think that there's reason to think that they're going to be like a league average defense at this point. But I, I do like the Jets. I like the Jets offense. I think that if you kind of like zoom out and focus on, you know, the players that they added and like the pieces that they have and that they're not the Jets, they're not led by Adam Gase anymore. You know, like there's a lot of things moving in the right direction that like expectations for them right now are still extremely low. I mean, their team total is like 19. The game total here was like 43. When it opened, we hammered that. Um, and where I would still take it up to like 45, I think that's it's still more than playable. Uh, so right now it's saying on the 44 to 44 and a half range. Um, I'm still in on the over because I think that there's like so many ways that it gets there. Like you said, like the Panthers offense could score 30 points themselves. I think that the Jets offense could eat, should score 21 or more themselves as well. So I think this game could easily very well end up in the 50s. I'll probably points bet it if it still hangs out this on the over as well. Ooh, baby. First points yep. bet tout of the season. You love, yep, you love to, see to see it. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Terrence Marshall is 3K on DraftKings. That is criminal. Um, he is a alpha. Um, I've been telling you he's an alpha since what January, February. We've been on the Terrence Marshall train for sure. And I'm glad to see that he is uh, he's going to crush in the slot, man. He was crushing the slot in the preseason, and that's really, really good uh, against the Jets. They struggled but, mightily. But Robbie Anderson did have that hamstring injury. I- I'm still kind of worried for week one. There are still roadblocks there. Like the fact they gave Anderson a two-year 29 29- $29 million deal. Like that's, that's still concerning for Terrace Marshall, unless like something happens significantly. And like, even if he's a, even if he has double digit touchdowns, but he's like a 40 catch guy, I don't know. Like, it seems like that'd be a headache picking when to start him. Sure. Yeah. That's totally fair. But again, but his talent is not to... in question. Yeah, yeah. His talent's not in question. But they, they buoyed three receivers last year with Curtis Samuel. You sure. know, they, they, they were able to do so. And again, I think maybe same thing, like we're all bullish on Joe Brady. Maybe this is another guy like second year getting his sea legs under him as well. Maybe he's a little bit more confident if he believes on, on you know, in, in Darnold as a, as a passion passer more than Teddy was. Although Teddy was again, definitely viable, but uh, yeah, continue to be bullish on this, this Panthers team. I think this is going to go a long way in determining the win total over under for each of these teams. Like I feel like the jets probably put themselves in a really good position, at least get close to that six and a half, seven win, which we never thought would be possible. And the Panthers are probably dead in the water if they lose at home week one of the Jets. So, If yeah. Sam Darnold struggles in this game, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah. Because that's, that's because like we would have to worry about him against the Texans, against the Saints, against the Cowboys, his next three matchups. When as like we drafted him, hoping to play him in all four of those matchups, because you probably have someone like Justin Fields or Trey Lance on your roster behind him, waiting for a guy with rushing and top five upside. So if Sam Donald sucks this one, we have to rethink everything. Next, we have Arizona uh, on the road against the Titans. Uh, Titans are three point favorites at home. Fifty two is the total. It's trending up a little bit. You're starting to pay a little juice on that. It's going up to 52.5 in some spots. We have the horizontal raid. Uh, it's got a little injection of life with a little bit of talent there. Um, defensively as well, there's some more talent on that side of the ball. And the Titans have uh, been pretty interesting offensively as well. Now, we really need to get an understanding of what does a Todd Downing-led offense look like because we're talking about earlier, coaching really matters, and we can't really – understand how great Arthur Smith has been to reviving the career of Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill went to Tennessee to back up Marcus Mariota. He then started 26 games with Arthur Smith as the coach. Ryan Tannehill led the league in EPA per play in his 26 starts under Arthur Smith. I mean, that's incredible. So again, I know that Downing has has been there before. Um, It did not go well the one time that he – Call plays a couple of years ago was the pre Gruden era, and you know with the Raiders. Again, if he can kind of come in and and do what Arthur Smith did, I think we should continue to be bullish on the Titans. I think we are a little foolish to assume that the team continues to do some of those things that made them great, even though they have a little bit of injection of talent with Julio Jones. Daniel, what are your thoughts on this game? And although they do have talent on defense, the issue is their talent is depleted and injured. Uh, just the fact that they lost to Dory Jackson, Malcolm Butler, Desmond King, and then tried to replace them with Bud Dupree again, still recovering, and then Caleb Farley, who I still believe is extremely talented, their first-round corner, yeah. but looked so bad in the preseason because he was injured when they drafted him. They've done this for two years now of the past three. They think that 
the draft capital when a player falls to them late in the first round is like a tremendous value, even though there are chronic red flags for injuries on these players. This is what they do historically, and it's always come back to bite them. And it seems like that's what's happening right now with Farley. Whereas the Cardinals, remember last year, led the league in situation neutral pace and no huddle rate. And they arguably just got better. Like we can just throw AJ Green in for Larry Fitzgerald, whatever. But just adding Rondell Moore, who everyone underrates. Uh, the dude gets knocked consistently for being small because he's 5'7", and that's where like everyone's brains stop. But the number four jersey he wears is actually just Avenger armor because like he squatted 600 pounds at 174. He was recruited as with the highest spark score in the entire nation for his sheer athleticism in what he does best in college, for example. 71% of his collegiate receiving yardage came after the catch, and that's exactly how the Cardinals used him. The Cardinals, by the way, who run 10 personnel, four receivers on the field, for an average 13 plays per game, a league high last year, stuck more in the slot for 44 of his 47 preseason snaps and gave him nine targets and three carries with a 1.3 depth of target. They literally know what he does best, and if that's an accident, that's fine because that's what he does best. They can't pigeonhole him incorrectly so i love this offense i love the cardinals plus three because for all the things you mentioned noonan there are so many there's so much volatility in the titans with their offense and defense that it could be a disaster we don't know and that's why i have all the confidence in the world in the cardinals there's something really interesting i think we all tie the kind of the collapse in the second half in the cardinals to the kyler shoulder injury and it's there's something to be said there um, it was a real thing, right? He was less reluctant uh, as a runner. There was also something that happened schematically in that game against New England, which was one of the games in that second half after the injury. Because New England came out in the second half and basically eliminated the linebacker position. They went six corners, six DBs, and they played single high safety, and they jammed everything at the line. They had nowhere to go. And the Cardinals struggled to even get a first down in the second half of that game. That was a stinker of a game. The Cardinals still at the time had playoff aspirations. New England was running their JV team out there defensively, and they shut the Cardinals down. And then this team started to do the same thing in the second half. Now, was like chicken and egg here, right? Like, Was that based on the shoulder, or was there something schematically that Belichick saw that they exploited that teams then also were able to duplicate throughout the rest of the season. I'm interested to see if Kingsbury is able to adjust because we know we joke about them being the horizontal raid, but New England knew we're not going to be punished by playing way up on the line because you're not willing to take shots down the field. And if you do, you don't have anyone that's really going to beat us. Um, my, my argument is that last year they did not. This year, Rondo Moore is the player that beats you if you play on the line. Okay. Um, and where they can steal even with more. They can stick DeAndre Hopkins as they did last year for 90% of his routes on one side of the field, and it won't matter. And have Christian Kirk still run his Papa shot plays because Moore is that good. Yeah, I'm bullish on Moore. He was one of our I mean, one of my picks in our prop show for over on his receiving yards. His number is like 550 and a half, which is criminally low. Even yeah. if they use him at low A dot, the stuff that he can do after the catch is incredible. So I'm with you there. Connor, thoughts on this one? Yeah, so in addition to what you guys played, I also played Cardinals at 18 to 1 to be the highest scoring team in week one. Oh. Um, yeah, because, you know, I think there's some, some interesting, there's some interesting layers there because it involves, they have to win, obviously, because then, you know, they need to be the highest scoring team. But this has, you know, one of the highest totals on the slates. 
And like we said, like you guys think that the, I mean, I think the Cardinals can win outright here. Um, so then putting up, you know, 33 to 35, somewhere in that range, like would probably puts them in contention uh, to be the highest scoring team in the, of the week. And, you know, at 18 to one, I think it's a great bet. I, I think this game could even end up in the forties potentially if, if the Titans figure out their offense and the Cardinals, like you, you know, avoiding the devil's advocate that you just presented, you know, are, are back to what we saw from Kyler and the Cardinals offense early in the season. Plus with Ronald Moore, which as you said, I mean, he had like 1500 scrimmage yards in a, in a functional Purdue offense as a, a true freshman, uh, you know, and was like projected to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, like after his freshman year. So um, like, you know, obviously where he's at now, I think that you're on the right path here and that we both, are, we all are high on Rondell Moore and that Rondell Moore props definitely be something I'm looking for. Like I, that is something that I'll be looking for for sure. I, I don't want to spoil the 4-4 discord, but also <laughs> in my mind, like one of the best props of the entire week came out all of a sudden while we were waiting at the carousel for our golf bags Noonan, to arrive in Vegas. Oh, yeah. And that, is the fact that Julio Jones has played 10 career week one games and he's averaged six catches for a hundred yards and 21 fantasy points in those games. And you may say that's narrative. I would say he has always been one of the best receivers in the league and produced when healthy. And when is he healthier than week one since he's taken the veteran out the past four or five years and not participated fully in training camp and preseason games. And so the fact that his prop got released at 53 yards against this secondary that is starting Byron Murphy, a second rounder who is below league average and no other fourth rounders to name on the, might be their best corner. He might be, I mean, (laughs) like I dare you to put, he, you probably have to put him on Julio Jones, if not AJ Brown. And I dare you like, see what happens. So like that prop to me, it, I immediately rushed to every book in my phone. Not to mention AJ Brown is also like limited. Like he was biking on the sideline yesterday. Like this is, which is why I think it's more important to get on this number early. Oh, totally. I mean, I, we have projected for 83 receiving yards. You know, we have like the, the line was 53. Yeah, um, I think it's a bad number. Russell Gage had a higher line than Julio Jones. Oh, I need to go hug that one. I got to hug that one in the Discord. Yeah, for sure. yeah go, go hug that and tail that because that is just – I mean, I think that's silly. Yeah, that's that's criminally low. All right, next one. Miami on the road against New England. Uh, this one's moved properly to three as it should. Um, you know, I got to say the Brian Flores era, right – Pretty good start last year, ten and six. Um, you know, obviously some questions at quarterback. I think that there were some unsustainable things defensively, as we've talked about, kind of at length here at times in the off season. I think it is very difficult to be somewhat in the middle of the pack um, and like DVOA and EPA per play, and then just absolutely dominant on third and fourth downs and lead the league in turnover rates. I think that there are some regression points coming for the Miami defense that can kind of be tossed on the other side where I do think that Tua is going to really take strides and, and improve. I think that they're, they've added some nice weapons. They won't have Will Fuller for this one. We know Connor's in love with Jalen Waddle. Um, the problem is, is that they are running into a ready-made tank. Uh, the New England Patriots are revved up and ready to go. This is an elite defense. This is an elite offensive line. And Mac Jones does not have the pressure that I think a lot of rookie quarterbacks have where he's going to have to come in and steer the ship. He just kind of has to keep it afloat. And I think they have enough bells and whistles to do it. Uh, Daigle, kick me off. Talk to me about this one. 
I mean, on paper between free agency and getting your opt-outs from last year back, the Patriots defense, as you mentioned, is so scary. Devin McCourty, Jalen Mills, J.C. Jackson, Kyle Bonoy, Donta Hightower, Matt Judon, Henry Anderson, Davin Godchow, and Deatrick Wise, Lawrence Guy as well. I mean, you can't. You literally can't draw up something better than that. Not to mention, like, the coaching staff helped propel them to a team that won seven games with a quarterback who threw eight touchdowns. That doesn't happen under other coaching staffs with the quarterbacks who throw eight touchdowns. It doesn't make any sense at all. And you- Vegas, you know? Uh-oh. That Wi-Fi shut off there? Can <laughs> you still hear me? Look, he's frozen. His Uh-oh. points are good, though, because this defense is incredible. <laughs> you didn't even mention some of the best players, like Josh Uche. We have Chase Winovich yeah. on the edge there, too. Like They're going to be able to generate a lot of pressure. Christian Barmore has been a problem all preseason. The rookie they added out of Alabama. They just, again, continue to just draft Alabama kids, and you're going to fare pretty well. Uh, Miami has, again, some questions, not only on the defensive side, which, again, I think their defense is good. They have nice cornerbacks. I think they're still an above-average defense. But their offensive line is really the problem here. Are they going to be able to protect Tua? And this is a bad matchup against New England, who has a dominant, dominant front seven. Uh, Connor, I know your thoughts here. We have a round of golf on this game. Um, What are your thoughts on the Dolphins? Do you want to double down, take the points? What do you think? Yeah, so I'm still in on the Dolphins here. I think that actually I'm surprised that the Patriots are still being favored. Actually, I moved towards the Patriots um, with – Mac Jones announces the starter. Um, like, you know, I, I think that that's surprising because I, he's a rookie, you know, and he's he's dealing with a receiving core and, and pass catchers that are bland at best. Um, you're, you're talking about Jacoby Myers, wide receiver one. I mean, I think that, you know, Jonu and, and Hunter Henry are, are fine, but, you know, that's not – I wouldn't say that's a good option. Also, I mean – be realistic. You know what? It's time for you to stop being a homer and, you know, come back to earth. What is your confidence in this, though? Because Daigle, okay, no, no. Daigle, now that you're back, need to give a negative shout-out to Planet Hollywood for the Wi-Fi, which just cut your ass off, you know, <laughs> mid-sentence. You're making great points, and now Planet Hollywood just decided, you know what? Nick set. Uh, so I don't know where you fit. You're left off, but you're welcome what, to keep, keep going. You're, you're, you're fine. What is your confidence in? Are you saying you would bet the Patriots? Or no, I'm sorry, the Dolphins? Uh. He already really. did. He already I, did. I, I, I bet it with Noonan. I, I think that I, I if Noonan, I had to bet, aside, you bet the Dolphins. No, yeah. I think the Patriots. Oh, okay. So we, we bet each other. We bet each other. Uh, we bet around oh, the Dolphins. Oh yeah. Each like, other. Um, and, I like the Dolphins at plus three if you can get it. Plus minus two and a half. I'm not taking it. Um, I do expect to leap forward from this Dolphins offense. The defense is still going to be good. Seventh defensive EPA last year. Fourth in uh, past defense EPA. And I know that there are plenty of regression stats. I'm a big fan of the offense though going forward. As I mentioned before, uh, I'm not going to rehash all that. Go listen to you know probably all of our division previews. I think we've mentioned the Dolphins. So uh, even though, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think that this is a spot where I'm not really okay. I need to be clear here. I'm not betting the Dolphins at, at minus two and a half or plus two and a half, plus three. I would consider putting half a unit because I I think you guys make great points. This Patriots team is going to be good. There are going to be better times to take this Dolphins team, and then especially if they lose. Like by a good amount, I think there will be great bounce, like by like opportunities in the near future. So you bet the Patriots? Oh, I bet the Dolphins against Noonan, and yeah. it seemed like uh, you were making case for the Patriots. Okay, well, uh, 
We have Maybe very the Wi-Fi short... isn't good enough. So hedge life. We, we hedge no. Life I'm, I'm just getting confused because you kept like going in circles talking about both teams. Um, <laughs> we have very good friends at Betsperts who are also on the Dolphins. I don't have a lean. Uh, I don't understand how anyone is strong and confident in either direction because it seems like a very straight up the middle fair game. Yeah. And like last year, if the Patriots return to like a, a sneakily fast defense in their last three games, they close with literally the fastest pace in neutral game script out of nowhere last year, which is much closer to what they did in the years without Cam Newton. With Brady, they were always running the most plays top five. Uh, in the entire league, whereas last year they were 29th overall. So if we return to that fast-paced offense with the statue quarterback, there are just so many different outcomes that this game, the Patriots season as a whole, could have. And uh, I would rather be on that side than the Dolphins, even though, again, I don't lean in one direction strongly. I think the reason I have a strong lean, homerism aside, is I think that this <laughs> New England pass rush is elite. Miami was 27th in pass block win rate last year. They are still going to struggle offensively on the offensive line. I think that they have weapons that are nicer this year, but I think the offensive line is really the unit that is going to decide whether or not this is a playoff team or not. I think the defense can regress and still be good enough to take this team to the playoffs if the offensive line is good enough, but I don't think that they are. And I think that they're going to get a um, a nice, cold dose of their own medicine here in a big, big way with a lot of turnovers and a lot of pressure. And I think it's going to create some nice buying opportunities for Miami moving forward, for Tua moving forward, because I think they're going to have their hands full, especially without the deep threat of Will Fuller. If you want to have the ability to really kind of leverage New England without Stephon Gilmore, someone like Fuller could really do that. They don't have that. New England can really make up for the loss with guys like Joe, uh, Joe Jones, J.C. Jackson in the secondary. They have really nice secondary guys that can really absorb the loss of Gilmore. So I think New England under three is, is a great, great play. We can move on, though. We talked about that one long enough. Um, this one's going to be the best game of the weekend, Cleveland and Kansas City. Uh, this one's moved to six. 54.5 is the total. Obviously, the Browns have been kind of licking their chops. They want to get back there after the uh, playoff loss. Again, they were you know feeling really good about themselves, even though they played most of that game without Patrick Mahomes. But I, I love this Browns team. I think it's too bad for them that they get to start against the Chiefs. But, uh, man, they can make a statement here and let them know that, hey, we are really not going anywhere and you're going to have to you know, get through us at some point. And he lost his oh, headphones. Hold the mic out. Which is just fine. So and why I'm wow. going to go ahead and take the lead on this game because I am, <laughs> I am excited about this game and I have a couple of leans here. Uh, per I'm, not staff- even the dr- I'm not even the guy drinking out of the three of us. Uh, I am. Per established the runs, Pat Thorman. Cleveland was pass happy in the playoffs. Uh, they actually ranked second during the divisional round and situation neutral pace with a 64% pass play rate. But when they had the ball, they were averaging 30 seconds between snaps. 36 seconds between snaps. They were genuinely trying to slow it down so Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense never got the ball. That game in particular had a 55.5 total, and that game finished with 39 combined points. And I believe that's what they're going to try to do again. Again, 
and that game, it got out of hand. Uh, the Chiefs had four possessions in the first half. They scored on all four. So by the time the Browns looked up, whenever they came out of the locker room, they were facing a 19-3 to deficit, and they had to throw the ball. They were completely out of whack for what they built their foundation and team on. And just given the upgrades in their defense, I think it's entirely different. I think they're ready to go in week one. So I have a strong lean on the Let's Browns. Go! Oh my God, that's that is my main event partner, by the way, who just delivered me another drink. Great, uh, cucumber and gin. I'm excited. Um, but either way, I have a strong lean on the Browns plus six points and the under in this game because I think last time we saw these teams play, it got completely out of whack. That's all I needed was some conviction. I like that quite a bit, Connor. What are your thoughts on this game? All I needed was Raul to deliver uh, Dagle a drink. With his uh, mask on his chin. Always, yeah. the, always a sign of someone who's drinking too much. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I actually don't have too much to take on this game because I think it can really go either way. Like, I really think that the Browns, if they're able to execute their game plan here, especially in terms of, like, running the ball against Kansas City's defense, which I think is suspect at best, um, can really can pull off the upset. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's really tough to bet against Kansas City, uh, you know, and especially at, at under seven. Like, it, it, it's really hard. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I can't stop watching Dago wave down a hole in the background. I just send him to the corner of the room because yeah. it's the only way you can't see him in the screen. Otherwise, he's going to lay on the bed and just during, like during one of the earlier shows that Dago was on uh, PFS show, Rahul like uh, climbed underneath the chair to grab. He literally my crawled underneath me uh, as I was recording with Ian Hart. It's a pro football focused uh, podcast. So good, so good. Uh, anyways, uh, I mean, the, the Browns defense actually should be good. They were actually only 23rd, though, in EPA defensively last year. So I think that they should take a leap in the top 10, though, um, just based off their additions, based off everything. So, uh, But, again, this game, for me, just stay away. I don't know. I think that there's, like, two very different ways this, this can play out. If the Browns control the game through the running game, like the Kansas City offensive output is going to be low. The Browns defense panned out. Or, on the other hand, Kansas City's offense comes out in a hot start. The Browns have to play catch-up. And they're throwing the ball constantly, so that's like a, a lot of variance. I think like that's massive difference in how this game could play out. So I'm for me betting standpoint, especially from like a you know minus one ten on each side standpoint, even player props, I'm pretty much staying away. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I think the Browns. I don't know if this is a spot to attack them, but it's a team that I like a lot this year. I want to be over market on the Browns. I took the Browns at plus one fifty five to win this division. Um, I think that they are an elite team. I think that defense is tremendous if they could stay healthy i think sprinkles of of uh garrett for def- defensive player of the year makes a lot of sense like six or seven to one um but yeah the chiefs also a lot of reclamation projects i think that there's a chance especially defensively out of the cornerback position like they could be worse which again is a spot where i think we could really target chiefs overs and chiefs props overs because i think that they're going to be forced to be even more of like pedal to the metal than they've had to be in years past because I think they're going to have to be they're going to be more competitive than I think in years past because I think the defense is going to be a liability so uh, Daigle's going to probably talk me into Browns in the points by the time this weekend's over I, do, I like the under a whole lot it just makes a lot of sense especially in week one we can rehash this in the postseason when they run into each other but as a regular season team the Browns make a ton of sense also we are going to be I think the props you have in the mound you're in Connor for Clyde Edwards Alaire I think they're probably fair nothing to take advantage of but i do like 
I would like to remind everyone that Edwards Lair was basically who you wanted Antonio Gibson to be in the preseason. That when he was healthy, and it was only a couple drives, I know, small sample, but he played every third down snap with Patrick Mahomes until he rolled his ankle. And that's all they needed because Darrell Williams played the third down snaps last year. And so if he returns healthy, which I believe he will, because they cut Darwin Thompson, that shows they have confidence he's going to be completely ready for week one. Like Edwards Lair is pacing towards like a top seven, top eight back if he gets that role. And perhaps Raul and I will treat him as such in the main event Friday night. There you go. Preview. Watch it if you're in their draft. All right, next, uh, Denver on the road against the Giants, moving to three now, total down to 42. Yeah, I mean, I went uh, length on my thoughts on the Giants this year. I think this is a um, really bad football team. I think I like the under on their win total. The Defense, I think, is worse than people think. I don't know why everyone thinks that this is an average to above average defense. They took advantage of like three or four late games against bad teams last year. They do not have a lot of talent that makes me nervous. It's obviously one of the worst offensive lines. Daniel Jones has 29 fumbles and 27 starts. That's not very good. They're going to apparently be easing their best player into action with Saquon Barkley. We know that Kenny Galladay has had a rough preseason. And this Denver team is pretty loaded, like ready to go if if Teddy is even similar to what he was last year in Carolina. I mean, this is arguably a, a top three secondary in the league. There is a ton of uh, talent in the front seven as well. The offensive weapons are deep. Um, very, very bullish on the Broncos. Anything under three, I think, is a great bet. What are your thoughts, Daigle? Oh, very much the same. Also, I really like the under 42 here. Um, on one side of the ball, you have Daniel Jones, which is more than enough. It's all you need to say. But in 26 career starts, 28 fumbles, three sacks per game, 22 picks, six and a half yards per attempt. Not good. And you have that top three unit in the Broncos that includes all of a sudden Patrick Sertain, who is the archetype that they can shadow Kenny Galladay with. Vic Fangio even said when it comes to players like him, when it comes to Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, that's who Sertain's going to guard because he is the size and has the shutdown capability to do so. And so, especially since Galladay's limited, I think he can get the best of him. And that's like the Giants' way out, just to Hail Mary balls to him and hope for the best. Whereas the Giants' defense... For as much fun as we make fun of Joe Judge, and rightfully so, Patrick Graham is the guy who should be getting all the attention because the Giants' defense allowed 30-plus points twice all year and not a single time from week six on. And so everything tells you this is going to be closer to a 14-3, to 17-0 contest. The Broncos just win because they have three to four turnovers on a bad Giants offense. Connor, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, for I'm not going to rehash all the reasons you guys had, but I smashed the Giants team total under 20. I think that's probably my favorite bet here, actually. I lean the Broncos minus two and a half, but I think there's too many questions about their offense in terms of, you know, can Teddy be competent in the system? And, you know, like, what are the weapons? Do that weapons actually pan out versus uh, this Giants defense, which played okay at times, you know? Um, but again, like you said, it's probably overrated. So, yeah, Giants team total under 20. If they score more than 20 points, I would be astounded. Um, I mean, just given everything and like this Broncos defense, a uh, friend of the show, Fabian Summer is big time on this Broncos defense, thinks that they're actually like a top two unit overall, just in general, and the number one secondary in the league. So, um, you know, I, I think that he he brings up a good point. They're extremely deep at corner, like so deep. I, I think that 
even a healthy Kenny Galladay would struggle to get open against this team, let alone some of their other, you know, bum wide receivers and, and uh, playmakers. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really, really tough for Daniel Jones to have a good day here. They can afford to use someone like Sertan in the shadow for tight ends like Daigle's talking about because they still have Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan. Like they can still run a normal three-corner, you know, nickel look and, and put him anywhere they want. Like that is a really unique situation that a lot of teams can't do. Um, if you have William Hill, um, there's a Devante over six and a half rushing attempts prop. Um we have him just a tad under 13. So um, that is a really nice Whoa. number. I don't see it anywhere else uh, as far as books that we have, but we are basically. What do we have, Mel- what do we have Melvin Gordon for? I mean, that is that is uh, aggressive seeming. I mean, they're like split carries probably like 15, you know, like half and half, or do we have Williams for more? I mean, that's. Uh, we have, we actually have Williams for more. Uh, we have yeah, Melvin, Melvin for nine and a half um, and Javante for 12.8. I mean, what even you, if those roles are switched, you're looking at six and a half props. You're so still covering. Yes. You're still covering. Yep. What, like what do you have for uh, Devontae Booker? Because the way I'm playing this is that Saquon Buckley will, in fact, start, but the game is going to get so out of hand and he's going to be so bad that they have no choice but to start sprinkling in Devontae Booker, who also won't do anything. But if it's like seven yards or something stupid, I'm still willing to play Devontae Booker props. Because I genuinely think he's going to come in and get touches in the second half. Yeah, let me look for Booker here real quick. Um, this not is the first much. show to ask for Devontae Booker props. Yeah, 4.3 carries. Yeah, 21 and a half yards. Uh, I was hoping it was lo- lower I mean, than it's that. It's tough okay. to project that. I don't really even know if we can. I don't even know if they'll, they'll produce lines for Battleble. Um, also, yeah. just side note here. Uh, Sam Hoppin just tuned into the stream here and is commenting on the the photos in the background of your your Planet Hollywood uh, stream. Over uh, there. Yours too, by the way, not just mine, yours. <laughs> and it's going to be the background of every single show you see on NBC Sports and 4 for 4 for the next two nights too. Right. So. That might be a little bit uh, too PG-13 slash R-rated for your NBC folks over there. I think at 4 for 4 we'll have to get a little bit edgier, but... Uh, Women are covered up. They're very yeah. beautiful individuals. Are you going to be able to post a show on, on NBC? Uh, yeah, you might get find out. <laughs> we don't have a choice. We don't have another room. We only have Raul making noises to the right of me, so that's all we have. Raul brought my golf clubs. My golf clubs are in Vegas. I'm not, so Raul can do whatever he wants. Apparently. I, I'm the one who had to grab them because he was looking at his phone Trying to do some – who knows what Rahul does? Who knows? <laughs> I appreciate him. So, All right, so we got Green Bay uh, against New Orleans. This game obviously now in Jacksonville. Spread is four on the Green Bay side, total at 50. Um, yeah, I mean, Green Bay running it back. Obviously, lots of drama in the offseason. Lots of uh, questions in the offseason for the Saints as well. Obviously, seem to have really got bit by the cap, which has been kind of something they've been kicking the can down the road, and it seemed to really bite them in a big, big way this year on both sides of the ball, you know, letting go of, um, you know, guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook, defensively Trey Hendricks leaves. You know, they have lots of, of cap casualties, along with obviously a pretty big change at the quarterback position. Latavius Murray today, lots of different looks for, for that Saints team. And obviously now Jameis Winston in charge. Uh, Daigle, talk to me about this game. It really comes down to do the Saints and Sean Payton trust Jameis Winston because last year they actually averaged the ninth most plays per game 
with Drew Brees. But when he was out of the lineup, they averaged 22nd most plays per game. They slowed the offense down purposely with Taysom Hill because they didn't trust whatever the the results were going to be afterwards. Uh, Jameis Winston looked really good in the preseason. We know he looks good physically. He lost weight. We know he's performed better with LASIK surgery, but it really just comes down to are they going to let him actually let loose and be a terrific offense outside of him? And I have question marks since they – we genuinely, outside of Camara, have to question their talent. Like I like Marcus Callaway as an NFL player, but whenever Callaway, Traquan Smith, Juwan Johnson are your best players outside uh, of Evan Camara, like what does that mean for the offense? And so I'm, I'm very worried as a whole that this game will be slow and sluggish. Interesting. Um, again, not in the dome, no home field advantage really for the Saints with everything that's going on there too. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I go back and forth because I thought that at minus three, even on the road for which it, uh, for the Packers, which is what it opened at, I thought it was a little bit light just given the, you know, the roster differences. But now the more that I look at it, like New Orleans has like a really good roster. I mean, I just don't trust the receiving core. I don't trust uh, Jameis to like not turn the ball over. I mean, you're looking at – Marquez, um, Marquez Callaway versus Jair Alexander probably for a good chunk of the game. So, like, who is Jameis going to pass to efficiently? How is his offense going to function? Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions that I don't have answers to, and I think that maybe Sean Payton can scheme up something that works. But for me, I just have no idea. Like, this is something that – there's way too many variables that I don't feel good about, and this is a game where I think that we just don't really know what this New Orleans offense is going to look like. So, for me, I'm just staying away – um, I did take Aaron Jones under uh, 16 and a half rushing attempts, though, as a player prop. And that, I think, is gone at this point. But um, with a little bit of juice, uh, if you're stable to, you know, he had, he's hit that in 23 of 30 games last two seasons, just 11 of 14 games in the last year. And A.J. Dillon is going to probably play a big role on early downs and salt the game away for the Packers versus uh, Jamal Williams, who is like basically a worse version of Aaron Jones in every facet, but still played in the passing game, played on early downs. And we're playing two minute drills occasionally at the end of the, like the first half. So, um, and second half. So I think at this point, you're probably looking at Dylan playing less in the passing game, more in the early down game versus, um, uh, Aaron Jones, who's going to play a little bit more in the passing game, in my opinion. So I like the under on 16 and a half carries if that's still available for you. Yeah. I don't think that, uh, Callaway is a guy that, that makes Jair start to, you know, shadow again. Um, but the, the Jair, Defensive MVP run starts um, starts this week. Get a nice little pick six or something here. Um, got a little eighty to one sprinkle on that. I think that that's a uh, an exciting one. I just don't think the Saints actually do have a great roster. To your point, Connor, I think they have a great offensive line, but I think that they are really depleted everywhere else. I think they have started to really take a toll. They were kind of average to me everywhere and below average really as far as the weapons go. So I kind of like the Packers. I don't like it at four and a half necessarily. Um, maybe watch this team total if this total starts to fall a little bit. If I can get the Packers at maybe 26 and a half, I think they still are going to have an elite offense and um, should have no problem moving the ball on the Saints. Yeah, right, I mean, last... they, lost some, they, lo- they lost some pieces defensively, so I guess to your point that that makes sense for sure. Um, and uh, as someone, uh, Permar99 in the chat said, Alexander doesn't travel anymore from week seven on last year. Um, oh, okay, he nice. may not travel, but he will probably also, uh, yeah. he will, will line up still against Callaway, I would say, a good amount of time. So. Also, like, B and I respect everyone who does cornerback matchup columns, but like yeah. B, be very wary of how you Careful. write them Careful. and read them yeah. because 
Like no one does it, and I wish they did, but I do, I understand why they don't because it's too much work. But like when you say cornerback shadows, you say a percentage of the time, so you're playing probabilities. So what happens in this thirty percent of the time that DK Metcalf like releases on another cornerback? He probably scores like a ninety yard touchdown. So it's just like you can't really get it right. And I think that the most recent example was last year whenever Jay Ramsey. Everyone was worried about Devontae Adams, but like they get inside the ten yard line, the Packers pick. Jalen Ramsey, even though he yeah. was shadowing Devontae Adams, and he scores a touchdown, and it turns out cornerbacks don't matter. Like yeah, that's that's the bunch. issue. And and yeah. by the way, like no one does it like hundred percent correctly because it's too hard. It would literally take five people to write a correct cornerback chart. Everyone does it to the absolute best of their abilities, but we just have to also know how to use that information properly to make money. Because also teams aren't necessarily like so few teams play that much man. Even it's yes, literally just combinations of you know cover two or cover three and what does that look like? And then maybe they run, you know, man with shadow over the back. It's very, very hard to, to take any actionable data out of that stuff. So yeah, really, really good point. All right. Sunday night football bears against the Rams, uh, seven and a half point favorites for the Rams at home. 46 and a half is the total. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're all very excited about this new look Rams team with Matthew Stafford. We would like to see a new look Bears team, but we're going to be um, having to wait. It looks like a little bit with that. Um, you cannot continue to trade up and try to address the quarterback position twice in four years and not pay the toll in other spots in your roster. And the Bears are paying that toll. There is very little depth anywhere on this roster. Offensive line is pretty porous. The front seven on defensive side is decent. The secondary is bad. And um, they're going to run out Andy Dalton. And I get why they're not, I guess, running out Justin Fields against this defense to start. But I guess I kind of don't. Daigle has been in this camp of we see Justin Fields to start the third quarter for months now. Are you still dying on that hill? I don't think you're wrong. As Orlovsky has given lazy tropes because he clearly hasn't watched (laughs) Justin Fields ever play football. Um, Justin Fields is an amazing prospect and the bears only picked him because the rest of the league didn't want him. Like, uh, it's not like a, it's not like they came to an intelligent conclusion. They just did whatever their friends said not to do as they always do. But the thing is most of the time the league and the GMs are right. Whereas the bears are always wrong. And this time they got it right. Cause they went the opposite way. Nonetheless, in my opinion, and remember this is an NBC game. So let's all be friendly. Uh, in my opinion, <laughs> Andy Dalton is starting because Nagy and Pace got reassurance they're there for another year. That's the only makes sense. You can't look at your players, honestly, eye to eye in the locker room after you see that in nine preseason possessions, Andy Dalton goes punt, 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 changes it up with a fumble, and then a punt, (laughs) a turnover on downs, a touchdown, and then an interception, right? They scored on one of nine preseason possessions against second and third string defenses with Andy Dalton. You can't give your men who have children eye-to-eye looks and say, this is the leader, right? Uh, Unless you were told you have your job for another year, but Andy Dalton does not. And so that is what's happening here. He's only starting because he's a sacrificial lamb. So Aaron Donald could take him to hell and not Justin Fields and keep Fields on the field for us to all enjoy. And it's going to be ugly. Having said that, the line has moved too far for me. Um, Just like games we love, 
for instance, the Bucks and Cowboys on Thursday night, whereas it's gone too far. We got it at seven. At eight, it's too far. At the hook, it's too far. Um, I think the Rams with the hook is too far. It was good to get it at seven. I still think the under is in play here. But overall, those are my overall plays here. I don't want like Rams team total because maybe perhaps the Bears, Jalen Johnson, a terrific player, still a little bit scary. But uh, but yeah, that's how I'm playing it. It's just the under here. I like the Rams team total. 26, again, under a key number. Uh, 26 I'll, is pretty big. I'm not downing you. I'm just saying it's pretty big. Yeah. I just don't really buy the Bears' defense. Um, I That's think, fair. That's totally yeah, fair. I, I think Jalen Johnson is a nice little prospect out of Utah last Our year. Team Hicks has been really, banged up a little bit. Yeah, I think he played well, but I don't think that there's really anything else that should uh, that should worry us on that side of the ball. That's because seven and a half makes me a little bit nervous. Um, also, Dago Luis says hi. He's bothering me mid show, but he wanted me to let you know. <laughs> he this can is literally hilarious. just DM me. <laughs> Ask Luis uh, when he's coming to Vegas. You know what? This guy apparently is not coming. Also, I figured out today. That's sad. Hmm. Breaking Luis. promises already. Connor, what are your thoughts on this game? Take us home. Um, all right. So I've actually talked about this with not one, but two Uber drivers today, uh, you know, because we on my way from Chicago to Las Vegas, both Uber drivers were interested in our uh, betting picks. Um, this Bears team, I think, is going to get trampled with Andy Dalton at the helm against his Rams team. Just the way that they match up against each other. Bear are the Rams, great receivers, new quarterback. Great system against the Bears, just terrible cornerbacks. And then looking at a Rams pass rush, which projects to be very good, and a Rams defense just in general, a, you know, a solid defense against this Bears offensive line, brutal. So I, for me, I think it's Rams minus seven, minus seven and a half. I'm still even considering at this point. Um, and like teaser leg for me, 49ers, Rams. I'm going to be lay heavy on that. Caesars right now is a $5,000 free bet. I'm really considering putting it on that. Um, and I know that's aggressive, but I really just don't see a way that these teams lose outright. I think that there's a chance that maybe they win by three, maybe they win by seven, but no way they lose outright. Uh, I love Connor. Yeah, what's up? I love Connor touting Caesar just because he's in Vegas. Otherwise, he never would have mentioned anything at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wynn has a thousand dollar risk for you, but Connor, did you leverage that as well? You should exactly. Add- Add the bucks to it, you know, like a man, and throw that third leg in there. Utilize yeah. your potential sponsorships, Connor. Yeah, oh, no, no, this is our current sponsorship. Um, and also, <laughs> shout out Luis, who said, "Sup, guys." Uh, thank you, Luis. Um, and that's just sucking up to the boss. Yep, exactly. Uh, Daigle, where can everyone find your stuff, man? Uh, I just want to quickly review my my bets that I actually have on the board for everyone that we've talked about here: um, Browns plus six and the under. I love the Cardinals plus three. I love the under on the Bears and Rams game. We are in on the Vikings team total over 25 and a half. I have the Bills minus six and a half. And then the Broncos Giants under 42 is probably my favorite bet of the entire week. But beyond that, they can find me at not Jay Daigle on Twitter. Also, subscribe and like A Good Football Show on iTunes, Spotify, wherever your podcast. We just moved to six episodes per week, usually five in season, but the six will now be the DFS Building Block Show that airs on Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, YouTube and Twitch. It's now also turning into a podcast for Saturday morning for everyone to listen to after lots of fighting. So I'm very glad it finally got there for everyone to also build DFS lineups as well as fantasy decisions in week. And then also remember to go to NBCSportsEdge.com. You can just click on the NFL tab. Don't click. Hover. Hover the cursor over it, 
and then go to the overall in-season package where we have rankings, we have tiers. Uh, I have to do my rankings actually tomorrow morning, and I haven't done that yet because I genuinely don't want to make a decision on where to put Ezekiel Elliott in week one. I'm actually delaying it. Like Buddhism teaches you – I'm not Buddhist, but Buddhism (laughs) teaches you to go to welcome your fears and anxiety. Uh, But I have anxiety about where to rank Ezekiel Elliott in week one so much so I'm delaying my work and putting it off. So it will be there tomorrow morning. Go subscribe. Daigle 10, 10% off. The answer is probably lower than where you want it to be. Uh, yes, I, I agree. That's why I'm delaying it like Buddhism taught me, Noonan. Yeah. Uh, Connor, favorite bet on the board? Uh, yeah, we can still get on. I, obviously, Seahawks getting points we love. That's that's gone. It went. It literally changed five and a half points. That's crazy. For Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz should have been a UPS driver last year, not in the NFL. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, let's go with uh, the Jets. I'll still take the Jets over forty-four and a half. Okay, yeah, that one's Jets Panthers. It's going to be twenty-seven twenty-four. Is final score? Panthers win. Oh, actually, for Connor, I'll tell everyone: go to the Discord. The Connor, I got, I, I can firsthand. I'm seeing Connor ignore me and put in the Discord all the prop bets. Literally, yeah, literally, literally all morning. There. I was just grinding props, and Dale was talking to me, and I was just, you know, like in the Discord, ignoring my luggage, ignoring everything, um, getting texts on the airplane about different props that are dropping. You know that that is borderline my night or my uh, my, you, my life. You've become I, Adam Levitan in the final year of his show with CSU Ram and Smiz, where he didn't want to say anything on air. He saved it for behind the paywall. That's what's happening here. Connor's hiding everything in the 4-4 Discord. I asked him to text me first, too. Like, hey, can we continue to do what we thought we were doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I typically will, you know, toss stuff to the group first. Connor just, I'll go into that Discord, and there's like eight bets from Connor. I'm like, can, can, a, be, can we collaborate first? To be fair, that's the, mercenary, that's the mercenary you trust, though, the one that goes to the people first. That's okay. Oh, my God. Roll just died. <laughs> sounds like a good time to wrap it up. So, all right. Sounds uh, good. We will be back on Friday. Um, all in Vegas should be very interesting um, to do our prop show for the week when props will go a little bit longer than we did in terms of props. Um, not longer as a show, but uh, deeper into the prop fields. Uh, so, Again, check out all Diggle's work over at NBC, uh, all of his podcasts, all of his work. We went an hour and a half. Good grief. I didn't realize that. Okay. You said you had two hours, and we unfortunately almost used it. So Utilized every single minute. Okay. For Diggle and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you on Friday night.